Yeah, so as I was saying, I'll just I'll just share from my heart, and then we'll just leave, hopefully, time for ministry. You guys are supposed to have prayer room after this, right? Yes. Okay, and so I just kind of, like, move my schedule around, so I don't have a hard stop either. And so we can just, I guess our hard stop is whenever your fingers wear out, you know. <laughs> You're conditioned, right, for two-hour devos. So, um, so we can worship, and we can pray, and just meet with God in light of and around the things that I'm sharing. Um, So again, and you know, it's such an odd thing because the um, I want to lower our expectations in order to raise them again at the same time. It's so easy to, like I've experienced this with Billy, like, and you guys are, you you all are getting to know me, and some of you know this way, but it's like, like I promise, I put my pants on one leg at a time and I promise like but the anointing can amplify people in your mind you know and it's like and um and what happens then is you ascribe the work of God or identify the work of God too strongly with an individual or a movement or a people and that's how we start to have kind of the celebrity culture or a little bit of idolatry where we put our confidence in people instead of you know but yet God still chooses to move through people. And so there's this tension that leaders have, but I think oftentimes we don't good at, do a good job discipling people in that same tension. That, um, and part of that is, I think, human beings just like to be respected or like to be admired, right? But, and, and so it's like we say all glory to God, but then there's a part of us like, I'm glad that whoever is impressed with me or, or has a certain high esteem or regard. We should regard each other. We should regard and have high esteem for one another. But, um, but if you perceive this time as you receiving from, from a person, whether it's Billy or me or any other teacher, as opposed to receiving through a person what God wants to give. And, you know, I never, I learned this so well during our prophetic ministry time. That for years I did our prophetic ministry teams where I would sit in front of people and there would be people who were looking to God, and then there were people that were coming in looking to words from people. And I just, you can just kind of discern that posture, that different, and especially when you have them successively, right? And what would often happen is the level of anointing and power that was present in ministry time. It's three people ministering to one person. We would have a person come in. And there would be a certain heart posture that they wanted something from God. And it would be like, boom, like accurate words, like power on the words, the presence of God weeping. And then that person would get up, walk out. And, and then someone else would walk in and they'd sit down and they'd be looking to people. And the flow of God's presence would be completely different. Not based on my heart posture, but based on theirs as a receiving person. Yeah. Like literally the level of anointing, accuracy, clarity, and the operation of the gift had nothing to do with me and way more to do with them and how they, and I was like, it's so important for us to disciple people to understand that when you're standing in front of me, like I'm an, I'm truly an instrument, right? And you can actually have more impact on what God gives me for your sake by your hunger and your attitude. I think even than I, you have more power to control it in some ways than I do. Does that yeah, make sense? Absolutely, yeah. And so what I want us to invite you into, and this is what's, what's powerful, and I've seen this shift happen, 
and what good, I guess, uh, I don't know if the words of revivalists or ministers or people, they understand this dynamic that when, when faith happens and the attention gets dr- actually drawn, like when an awareness comes that God is present and all of us are able to let go, it shifts from human interaction to like that is horizontal to interaction with God that is vertical. And it's like in worship or in preaching or proclamation, when we all go vertical, like when we're all ascending in the spirit, I don't mean to be too mystical about it, but like instead of like right now in our human interaction, it's like my spirit connecting with your spirit. But when our spirits together connect with the Holy Spirit in unity, that's the place where like atmospheres get real thin, yeah. you know? And, um, and now we have just created a space where the phenomenon of God can take over what I mean by phenomenon of God is, you know, it's, it's when things start to happen and faith starts to happen and prophecy starts to happen and miracles start to happen, signs and wonders start to happen. And it's, it's the strange and unusual miracles were done by the hand of Paul, right? So if you study that portion, I think it's Acts 19, 17 or 19, where it says aprons and handkerchiefs taken from Paul's body cast out demons and healed the sick, Right? And so you'll kind of see this weird contemporary version of that where people like pray for the, you know, they pray for the handkerchief. Nothing wrong with that because the anointing is transferable through physical touch, okay? We see that several places in scripture. Bones of Elijah, reviving the dead body. Like we see like there's truly a place where the anointing comes so saturated. It wasn't actually Peter's shadow. It was getting into a presence that was overshadowed by God manifestly and you get into that vicinity and now all of a sudden it's heaven is on that person and there's no disease in heaven. So when they walk through the streets, they're bringing of heaven to their physical person into the physical realm of the earth, out of the spirit realm, actually drives out demon, drives out sickness. But in this case, you know, because Paul is bivocational, he's a tent maker, he's got an apron on, says to the Corinthians, I speak in tongues more than you all. So he's robo makana, working with his hammer, literally putting tent pegs up and putting the thing on and he's, and he's abiding, he's fellowshipping in his everyday life to such a degree that now someone's like, okay, I've got to, all right, I've got to finish this tent peg over here. Here, Paul, give me your apron. They put on the apron and all of a sudden, that cold I had is gone. Like that depression I felt is gone. Paul's like, it's hot out, right? It's hot in, in Turkey, which is where he's, he's in Ephesus. He's wiping his brow because it's hot and he's working and there's sweat getting on the nest. And then somebody else goes, oh, let me blow my nose. And when they blow their nose on the handkerchief with Paul's sweat on, you know, within, it just comes in contact with his body because he's walking in an atmosphere of communion with God as he goes about his work, like handkerchiefs and aprons taken from Paul's body, heal the sick, drive out demons. And then that guy's like, this healed my cold. Like, let me take it home to grandma, right? And grandma get, you know, gets up out of the <laughs> But they go, strange miracles. Like, it's the phenomenon. You begin to touch the phenomenon of God when you have people that their spirit has such dominion over their soul, their mind, will, and emotions, that that spirit just begins to take over not just their personhood, but the atmosphere around them. And then when that begins to happen, like the spirit, it begins to happen on individuals, then it begins to happen in communities. And when it happens in communities, you see takeovers of cities. You see in Ephesus, all the witches bring their books and burn them in the public square, right? The demons know, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? Like the demons know your name, right? Because you're actually a threat. Because you've stepped, you've stepped out of the realm of the natural into the realm of, of the phenomenon of God. Like the, and we know 
right? It wasn't every day that Peter shadow healed the sick. Like there is ebb and flow to, to that power anointing, right? When Jesus is in Nazareth, it says he can perform a few miracles, but yet when he's at, at the Sea of Galilee, it says people from the whole region, people crowded him and said, everyone who touched him healed him. Uh, they were healed, right? Heaven is, heaven is upon him in such a way. Other times you see the whole crowd pressing around him and one woman touches him with faith and she's healed, mm. okay? So as powerful as Jesus was, right, there were different times when the phenomenon of God was present in him in different manifestations and different dimensions of power, right? And in both those cases, it says, he said, virtue left me. So power literally leaving his physical body, healing the woman with the issue of blood. And it says power went out from him, healed everyone that touched him, okay? So as we begin to walk in these things, you begin to experience that stuff. And then you go, oh, that's what that means, Right? Literally moments when it's like you're in the anointing so strong, you feel power radiate. I mean, times when I'm like, I feel power radiating off me. You just walk next to someone and they just start to, to manifest under the power, you know. Um, because, and here's the thing is you have access to the Holy Spirit within, but then when the anointing is upon a minister or another person, it's like the anointing upon and then the anointing within, right? Abiding is all about residing in the anointing within, but as you abide in that anointing within, sometimes it manifests out within your body and you actually get power in your frame. Okay? Um, words are a way that we create atmospheres. God created everything in the beginning using the word. Right? It says everything that's visible is framed by that which is invisible, framed by the word of God in Hebrews 12. And so when we have faith, we're believing in the invisible and the invisible is actually superior to the visible because it says it came first. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Like heaven, just because you can't see it, is more real than what we see here. Like God's word, even though you can't see it, right, is more powerful because his word actually framed everything we see. And you're created in God's image. So your words have power. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Right? And so when we're talking about, like, why when certain people speak, why when we declare certain things... Does God come? Why does, why does repentance come? Why does conviction come? Why does weight, presence, why do those things come with weak human words? Well, it's because when the Spirit of God anoints a person, a body, a frame, when you're reflecting heaven in what you do and what you say, it, it again creates that, that exchange with God. And when that exchange again shifts from horizontal to vertical, you begin to get into the phenomenon of God where things are happening and no one's in control of it anymore, you know? I think yesterday we just had moments like I heard the Lord say, just the king is in the room. We like say it and all of a sudden like several of us spontaneously touch weeping, right? Mm-hmm. Um, why? Why? I didn't make that happen. I just declared what heaven was saying and it produced an atmospheric shift, right? And we can gain wisdom on these things and how to partner with them. And then that becomes an expression of our hunger, you know? Because when we gain wisdom on it, when you understand, you can pull on the anointing of God with your own personal hunger. Like you can draw on heaven through a person or through a place atmospherically by just, by just posturing yourself in desire for the Lord and saying, Lord, I want you, you know, you can get more of God. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to talk about two pitfalls, though, in this. This is so key to teaching on revival, and then we're going to practice it, okay? Two pitfalls. Apathy. Hard-heartedness, okay? The attitude that says, well, God is sovereign. If he wants to come, he can, he can come if he wants to. You know, and it negates hunger, right? Mm. The other is striving, 
And striving equally negates hunger because it says that if I work hard enough, I will receive something from God. And God only gives by grace through faith. You can't stir yourself enough up in your natural mind, will, and emotions to apprehend God. The way I think about it is, in my spirit man, God is resident there. And if I can dial into my spirit man and be present to God, God is always with. God is always with. He is always present to me. He's always there. He's always there to be accessed. He's always wanting to do something. He's always wanting to move. Uh, The Spirit of God yearns jealously for my spirit. Like, there is a yearning within the Holy Spirit for us to commune with one another, right? Mm. And if I'll just live in that place, I'll get wisdom, I'll get direction, I'll get power, I'll hear the whisper of God. And, And when I move in response to the whisper, that begins to creak open the door to the phenomenon of God. And then our agreement with Him, and then His sovereign timing and purposes... Acts chapter 2, it says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, right? This is something we have to, by the way, I'll just tell you, like occasionally I'll see things in the Spirit, you know? I saw just two bright flashes of light <laughs> over you guys. And it's like, that just, it, and I'm just teaching this. I don't normally say that. It's not you guys be impressed with me or anything. Come on, come on, go see. Um, but it's like, if, if I know that there's angelic agency already here, I'm, I'm like, okay, there's already a heightened atmosphere just that we've created with the words, you know. And um, I just saw one specifically there, but I felt like there's also one here complimentary. Um, and so, so anyway, we, we begin to creak open the door to the phenomenon of God by creating atmospheres of faith. And, um, and, it, and what I was saying about Acts 2 is, okay, could the Holy Spirit have been poured out on any other day but Pentecost? I actually don't think so. No, no. Yeah, because it says the day of Pentecost had fully come. The Pentecost was the fe- feast of uh, the feast of harvest, yeah. which is a Jewish feast. It was the fulfillment of a specific prophetic emblem. It had to only be that day. It was a sovereignly appointed day, yeah. right? It wasn't going to be the day before Pentecost. It wasn't going to be the day after. Jesus said to wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father. There was an appointed time, right? Now check that in your mind. There are appointed times for visitation. Okay. Now who got to participate in that appointed time? The people who were hungry. The people who tarried in the upper room for 10 days. Were there people that left the prayer room a little bit early? Yep. Probably. That would suck to leave the day before. Like, oh no. Right? But it was like, did there have to be a people that waited and tarried? That the spirit could fall on? Yeah, there had to be a people. Was it, you know, there had to be a people, right? And so it's the sovereignty of God and the agreement of men. The eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the earth, looking to one whom heart is fully loyal to him, that he might prove himself strong on their behalf. Right? Like God is looking for people that will be a dwelling place, who will understand God wants heaven to come to earth. He wants his power to be manifest through people. He's looking for willing and yielded vessels. But the danger of striving is, is that you don't understand their sovereign seasons of visitation. You don't understand that there's succession and process. And so you just go, I can, you know, and there's a theology that says, revival's today. Revival's the day you decree it to be. I don't see that in the word. 
I see there, there is a degree to which our hunger can, can bring us up to a certain level of encounter, but there's also a degree to which those times are sovereignly appointed. An angel appears to Cornelius and says, go get Peter, right? Because I have a, a point in visitation. I have a baptism for the Gentiles that, that's coming. So go get Peter. He knows your name. He knows your address, right? Go get Peter. He's saying at Simon the Tanners and go and tell him, you know, that to come, right? And Peter shows up and says, the Lord appeared to me in a vision. It takes an angel, a vision, all to get a human being in front of a group of Gentiles. And it says, as he was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell. Right? Mm. Is that the reason why people say open heaven versus not? I think, they're, I think that open heaven is just an expression. You know, we're talking about, I don't want to get off on this bunny trail too much, but we have the natural physical world, right? That's the first heavens. You have the second heavens, which is the realm of the spirit, angels and demons. And then you have the third heavens of the boat of God. Okay. Bible talks about a third heavens, talks about a first heavens. Mm-hmm. So it's implied that there's a second. You also see the construction of the temple, outer court, physical, inner court, the place where worship is offered, innermost court, holy of holies. Mm-hmm. Then you see the construction of the human frame, physical body, soul, right? Soul, mind, will, emotions, the place where we have to give God our worship. We have to choose. We have to make choice. Our volition is there. And then the innermost court, the Holy of Holies, when you're born again, that's the place that God's glory and presence dwells, right? And just like in every season, the Holy of Holies did not fill the entirety of the temple. To be spirit-filled is to be yielded in a manner in which that, that fountain of the spirit within fills your mind, will, and emotions, and then even uh, expresses itself in your physical body. And when that happens, we experience physical manifestations of God's presence, right? Does that make sense, or is that too much too fast? <laughs> it's both. <laughs> so we go, so the construction of God's universe, holy of holies, spirit realm, physical realm, it's the construction of the human frame, and you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Amen. Spirit, soul, body, it's the way he built the universe, it's the way he built his temple, as both a picture of the cosmos, as well as a picture of the human frame. Mm. So when you go, God, fill me, it's that, and guess what? Many times in Israel's history, they defiled the outer court, and so the glory of God could not fill the whole temple. When they reconsecrated the temple to the Lord, when they reconsecrated the temple to the Lord and they removed the worship of idols from the outer court, then the glory of God filled the entirety of the house. Right? If you want to be, you want to be a spirit-filled person, continually get the idols out of your outer court. Come on. Right? Amen. Okay, so, phenomenon of God is what we're going for. We seek it from God, not from men, though God uses men. He requires Peter to be there. And then what's funny is he takes it out of Peter's hands, right? He's like, Peter has to be here. And then while Peter's preaching, Holy Spirit falls. He doesn't get to finish his message. That's awesome. He requires the agency of man. And then he, and then he interrupts the agency of man and says, and Peter says, well, they were baptized as we were. Who was I not to, you know, right? So he requires human participation. And then he supersedes human participation with divine intervention. He requires them to tarry in the upper room and to wait upon the presence, and then he gets them sloppy drunk in the spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the wonders of God, and they pour out into the streets. Right? He doesn't want to use, he, he'll use the agency of angels in that second heaven's realm, but he has to, he's delegated to human beings because it says all things in all creation were given into the hands of men. So where is your authority as a son or daughter of God? It's it's in all levels of the heavens. It's all levels of the created order. But 
he didn't give the realm of, of earth into the hands of angels. He gave it into the hands of people. And then they gave power and authority to Satan. Jesus comes in a physical body, takes that authority back for humanity. Right. So revival is both sovereign. <laughs> There's a sovereign element. And there has to be a people that agree. When you understand that, I, the reason we dove bunny trail into that is we're talking about striving. When we understand that, we can both simultaneously press in and rest. Okay. Yes. Um, this is not to get an answer from men or looking for an answer from you, but there's this, this, you have a heart for this. What would you say where people that are in the crowds are like, feel like, uh, again, another word of revival, the same concept a year, a year ago, yeah. a year, in the same year. It's the same around, same month, the same concept, revival, revival. What would you say towards those people that have that kind of heart? Yeah. What a way, not, I guess, I mean, I'm afraid with this about the Lord, but... No, I think it's a phenomenal question, actually. I think it's a really, really great question. Yes. And there's something called... And what we tend to do is we look at history, for the most part, I think, in terms of our own, our own history, like our own life. We measure the movement of God mostly in decades rather than in terms of centuries, okay? And what I mean by that is... Um, so if you trace church history all the way back, right? There have been moments of reformation, moments of revival, but the past hundred years since Azusa Street has been an unprecedented outpouring of God's spirit globally in terms of more people have been saved since Azusa Street. More people have probably been saved in the last 50 years than have been saved in all of human history combined previously. So that means when you get to heaven, right, you go, okay, there's all of the other people from the last 1900 years of church history, and then you see in the final hundred years, an equal number of that many people are going to populate heaven, right? And that's only going to increase as the global population increases exponentially, and then there's mass conversion before the coming, it'll be the, the in-sweeping of the Gentile harvest, right? And so you're going to see more people from our time span in heaven than there are the other entire time span combined. Does that make sense? And so you go first in Great Awakenings in the United States, again, still within a relatively small time frame, that's just the last 200 years, Right? And so we see this acceleration over centuries into this final moment that we're in. You go 1948, you have the healing revivalists. You see miracle signs and wonders on a scale, and then the activation of the... The church didn't speak in tongues before 1900. That was not a thing. The Azusa Street brought the gift of tongues. Now there are more charismatic, you know, as many as people that would subscribe to themselves, 600 million in the earth... They would say, I'm charismatic in some form, meaning believing in prophecy, believing in tongues, believing, you know, evangelical prophetic. It's like, that's like 50% of the Christian population in the earth, right? That didn't exist before, before William Seymour and Azusa Street. And then you go healing revivalists, you go Billy Graham. Billy Graham preaches the gospel to more human beings than had ever heard the gospel again in the entirety of history. Hundreds of millions of human beings, right, in the life of one person. Um, and so, yeah, I think that we've, you know, and then you go Toronto, Pensacola, like the charismatic renewal, yeah. Catholic charismatics, uh, John Wimber and the largest, fastest church planning movement ever in uh, church history happening in the 1970s into the 1980s. The idea that everyone can play like you're standing on the shoulder of successive waves of God's spirit moving um, that has brought you to the moment where you believe what you can, what you believe what you believe because of those movements, right? Like we would be, we would be considered a third wave charismatic movement, 
because of John Wimber, who discipled Mike Bickle, right? And Mike Bickle birthed the prayer missions movement. And so there's an amplifying over time, but it's not just in a single person's lifetime. I mean, I think that's going to come in more powerfully. But when you look at that progression, it's like we're in a season where everything's been elevated and then there's spikes within that, you know? But just even just like, do you guys realize like, what you experienced yesterday, how many people that was maybe, your, don't, don't be embarrassed, that was maybe the strongest experience of God's presence you've ever had. Okay, there are a few in our room, right? Yeah. Day two of your internship here, the strongest experience of God's presence you've ever had, right? Like some people, they live their whole life and they cannot tell you that they've heard something from God or felt something from God, but a few snatches in their life. Right? It's, I mean, it just is. Like, it just is. And those people are living by a different kind of faith in God's word. I mean, they're not born again. It's just we're creating an atmosphere where there's just a different, there's just a different level. The, the water level is a little higher. And sometimes we can't even realize and appreciate it. And I make that point to say, for some churches, yesterday would have been revival coming. That would have been, yeah. <laughs> that would have been, the, that would have been the breaking of God, you know? I guess that's what I mean. It's like nowadays, I feel like everything is revival, where it's like... Yeah. I think we overuse that word too much. Oh, I do too. And that's what I'm trying to bring clarity to here is there was a touch. There was a, on the Richter scale, it was a, it was low yesterday, but we touched briefly that phenomenon of God where no one was directing, right. but that God was in the room for the briefest of moments, you know, yeah. and then how do we steward that? Right. Yeah. And then how do we steward that over seasons of time? And, and, and a people with that kind of wisdom will experience historic phenomenon. And I think that's what God's cultivating here. And I think you guys get to be as those who are with, listen, I'm a staff member here who has work responsibilities on top of my prayer room responsibilities. All you guys get to do is just soak all day. Praise Jesus. You just get to groan and be on your face. So I'm just saying, be the hungriest, be the hungriest group of interns we've had in 50 years, in the 15th year of night day worship and prayer. We're going to celebrate 15 years while you're here on 212 of night and day worship and prayer. You're going, you're, you're going to be at the three-year anniversary of, of, uh, of Newbridge and IHOP coming together. We're going to declare our new name and our new cultural identity in the season that you guys are, are here in April, approximately, right? You're going to be the class that you look back to and like, we were there when they became, you know, the new name of the church. Like, we were, we were the first class of this. And I just think there's a certain invitation from the Holy Spirit. You guys are evidently hungry and have been brought here for a purpose. And so the person would go, yeah, I know, it's, okay, constantly revival. And yeah, there are some people that it's just hype. It's just hype. It's just flesh. It's, yeah. just, it's just people wanting, they want the thing that they've seen. They don't know how to enter into it. And they're just like, I want that. I want it. I want it. You know, I want it. And, it's, and, it, and even for me, I have to acknowledge there's mixed motives sometimes because with the phenomenon of God comes a lot of really positive things. But believe me, 100%, if you study the history, comes with a lot of really negative things too. A lot of criticism, a lot of spiritual warfare. How many people, you guys had a little spiritual warfare talk this morning, right? You know that you're touching positive things in the spirit when there's a clap back. <laughs> when the devil comes and tries to, it's like the power of God comes and then it's like that night, you're all of a sudden like, I have never had spiritual warfare like this, right? And that's because there's a war in the spirit realm. And when we get up there and we go, you know, what was it like? God is on his throne. 
every principality. We're like, yeah. And it's like the principality is like, no, no. We're not going to let them begin to get ascendant. Because if you get ascended in the spirit realm and you begin to walk in authority, that's a lot of, I mean, that's when stuff starts. You don't even need to be present to cast out the demon anymore because it's something taken from your body. Like how scared do you think the kingdom of darkness gets when somebody is carrying the anointing in a way that just things from their body displaces demons? Right? Like that's phenomenon. That's movement. And it doesn't happen by accident. But it also doesn't happen by striving. Come on. It doesn't. It happens by positioning and faith to believe. Yeah, just grab a seat in the back. I invite any staff that wanted to come, just come and be with us. Yay. Yay. Okay, you can come. Yay. <laughs> come out of the corner. Um, so I, I, am, I, I want to tell you guys, it's not the most powerful touch of God, not the most powerful movement of God's story. Um, but it's one of my most precious because it was probably my first, right? And in 2007, you can mean to play whenever you want to. I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah, you're free to, to mess us all up now. Please. There's a biblical precedent for this. Elisha said, you know, bring me a, bring me a harpist so that I can, I can prophesy, right? Um, so we need... We need the worship. Um, newly saved, working at summer camp, and was just believing for radical things from the Lord. And I'm, I think I'm in week three, and uh, and I was just so hungry because I was so broken, right? And um, I'd been dating a girl, and uh, and she had cheated on me. I cheated on her. I thought this was a person I was going to marry. The relationship had ended horribly. My, I don't usually share all of these details, but my mom and my stepdad had um, their relationship. He'd been my stepdad for like six years through high school. Closest, uh, very important father figure in my life. Their marriage ends abruptly, uh, and, and he cuts off, my mom cuts off me from communication. Really tragic. And it just left my family relationships broken, my peer relationships broken. I invested everything in my life into this dating relationship. I wasn't serving the Lord. It was definitely the idol in my life. That thing comes to nothing on Valentine's Day of 2005. So February, March, April, May. In those four months, I start to really serve the Lord because I'm just empty and broken. And, and, um, and from that place of brokenness, uh, I just say, whatever you tell me to do, God, I'm going to do. And it was such a deep brokenness. Um, I never have really quite fully recovered from it, honestly. And what I mean by that is, uh, I used to have a confidence in myself. I'm gonna break this in just a second. I don't want anybody to be scared. So. <laughs> but I used to be whole, okay? I used to feel like a sense of confidence and wholeness. Now I wasn't. It says we're created in the image of God, but then at the fall, all of us were broken, irreparably shattered. But how many of you have, have had that breaking from God where you felt like you were whole, but then you weren't anymore? Mm-hmm. Kind of like it says, you know, that, that um, I think it's Jacob wrestles with God and then, he, and then he touches his hip, gives him a new name. 
right? He says, now you're Israel. Instead of being the deceiver, you're prince with God, okay? But in order to move to that place of authority, he actually had to be broken in a way that he never recovered his strength, right? I never was able to put confidence in myself again after that season of breaking. Break this down. And the reason I wanted to do that here um, a broken and contrite heart, Psalm 51 says, is a sacrifice before God. This is really ugly, right? It's a fractured thing. And it has no human beauty or anything attractive to it anymore. But when God looks on this, right, that's what he wants. That's what he wants. And the reality is that our resistance to that is is simply that we don't think that we're broken, but we all are. Brokenness is actually coming to agreement with reality. Mm. And what happens is a lot of us start our relationship with God in a place of brokenness, poverty of spirit. And then we start to experience the blessings of God. And we forget that brokenness is what makes you a resting place for him in the first place. I've just had this picture and this word picture from the Lord on, on weakness where God's been speaking to me about weakness and he's been saying you have to be willing to be weak, you have to be willing to be broken, you have to be willing to be shattered, you have to be willing to be a, a certain shadow or shell of yourself, of your human self. You have to be emptied of your human strength in order for God's presence to rest on you. And it's just like, God, I want you to rest on me and you're not going to rest on anything but something that's broken. You're not going to rest on anything but something that's broken, right? And, uh, and then I was reading, and I think it's 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul says you know, that he had a thorn in the flesh, that he wouldn't boast in anything, but he would boast in, in his, not in his strength, but in his weakness. And I looked it up today, and when I read it, it says, I boast in my weakness that the power of Christ might rest on me. So in that place of brokenness at the summer camp, I just said, yes, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm just, and I just started to obey, obey the impressions as they came to me. Obey the impression to pray for someone. Obey the impression to fast. Obey the impression, impression to give a prophetic word, even though I didn't even know what that was, right? And it was, it was humiliating because I felt strange. I'd never been in a charismatic environment. I never, first time I heard tongues was when I started speaking in tongues and it was embarrassing because I didn't know what it was. Mm. It was all about humiliation, right? It was all about humiliation. And I remember I'm walking to the teletime, which is where the campers share on their very last night how they've been impacted through the camp. I've been there three weeks and I've been in just this radical place of God humbling me, humiliating me. And there's music playing in the bathroom of this cabin that had been left on. I go in there to turn it off. And as I'm in the bathroom of all places, the spirit of the Lord just comes on me. And he says, there's things I'm gonna, I want you to do something tonight. I just have a sense there's something that God wants to do. And he's saying, will you, basically, will you let me use you? And I remember I get on my face in the boy's bathroom, a dangerous thing to do, in the boy's bathroom of the cabin. And I lay there like this, because I just felt like I just lay there and just say, God, I'll do anything. My reputation is yours. My And a certain part of me, honestly, by the grace of God, honestly, it got left there on that bathroom floor. You know? And I go to the tell time and I 
and I'm sitting there, my hands start to burn for the very first time I experienced the manifestation of God's presence. And God just keeps speaking to me, I want you to pray for the sick. I want you to pray for the sick. I want you to pray for the sick. And I'm like, no way, God. This is a time for campers to share. This is a, a Billy Graham camp, for your information. <laughs> okay, It was not charismatic. It, was, it would have been weird and inappropriate. And I'm a young college student. And that's, I'm like, I may lose my job if I try and do something. I don't know how to do this. And there's a camper there. I just say, Lord, I lay a fleece before the Lord. Didn't even know that language, but I lay a fleece before the Lord and I just say, um, I'm going to pray for this little guy's, uh, Corbin, I think was his name. I'm going to pray for Corbin's back. He had had a bad sunburn that he'd been complaining about. And if you, t- if you heal his back right now, Lord, then I will, uh, okay, I'll go pray for healing because I'll know it's real. I know it's from you. And so I just, you know, a lot of times just you become affectionate with your camper. So without even telling him what I would do, I just put my hand on his shoulder and just, Hey, buddy, you know, <laughs> I wasn't like praying for it. I just, you know, it's worship and I'm just, you know, I take it off. And then a minute later, I just go, hey, man, how's your sunburn feeling? And he goes, oh, it was hurting so, it hurt so bad. And I'm like, yes, delivered. He goes, until you put your hand on my back. <laughs> and all the pain went away. He didn't say all the pain went away, but he said, until you put your hand on my back, and start to feel better, whatever he said. So I go to the camp director. I'm like, I think I'm supposed to, said, I just want to be obedient. I just really feel like at the end of the time, I just feel like I'm supposed to pray for, I feel like I'm supposed to problem here. I feel like I'm supposed to pray for, um, for anybody that's sick. I don't know what's going to happen. I honestly think that maybe uh, God's just testing me if I'll humble myself, you know. And, and maybe nobody will, you know, I'm just like, I'm going to do this regardless of results. Because I feel like it's obedience. I'm hoping something will happen. Again, I've never seen a healing altar call done. I literally have no idea how to do this, right? And it's embarrassing. And my hands, because I, I didn't want the, I knew what was happening in my hands was good. And I was like, if I hold the microphone, what if it goes away? I mean, that's how, it, like, I just don't understand what's happening to me. So I'm like, and I'm shaking. And I don't realize I'm shaking under the power of God, but I'm shaking. So I'm like, will you hold the microphone for me? So he literally holds the microphone for me. And I'm shaking. And I go, I go, it's the weakest, like the worst. Like, do not do an altar call this way, right? Like, like, hey, um, my hands are burning. And I just feel like I've never experienced this before. And I feel like I just want to pray for anyone here that's sick. If you want to come down front, I'll pray for you. And that's like peer pressure like crazy. Do not go down front and let the weird guy pray for you in front of everyone. <laughs> right? That's like, you know. And again, we're in the woods. There's a campfire. There's maybe 100, you know, there's 10 cabins, 20 adults, and, you know, kids up to the age of maybe 8th grade, ninth grade. Right? And... Um, and when I give that invitation, I remember one girl, she's next to my sister-in-law now, her name's Abby. She'd had bad knees and had been really limiting her ability to enjoy camp to camp. And she just starts, she gets out of the row, makes it halfway down the road, limping down to come get prayer. And what it talks about in Acts 10, where God fell, there was a falling of the Holy Spirit in that place. It, it literally, like, I understand now what that means because of, and I didn't know about it then, but I came back and read it. I was like, oh, the Holy Spirit fell. Like, that's what it means when it says it fell. Like, you know, there were moments of spontaneous weeping yesterday. It was like a whole cabin of girls start to spontaneously all weep simultaneously. Um, people start to pour into the altar. People start to spontaneously worship. The presence of God was there. It lasts 30 minutes, and then it just lifts. 
People got delivered of depression. My wife, she wasn't my wife at the time, prayed for her arm. Um, it had been broken, she'd been in a brace. Doctors had said it was gonna take three more months for it to heal. She goes to her checkup the next week. They say, I don't, we don't know why it's healed. You can take your brace off. Come on. And I'm laying hands on people and there's just burning. And I just close my eyes and I sit on the edge of the stage and I just touch whoever's there and God moves and then it lifts. And I go, and there was different touches of God's spirit throughout the summer, but that moment marked me all. I was like, that's it for me. That's all I want to do ever. I just want to get on the floor in the back room of the bathroom, surrender to God and then show up and like, God, and you know what? I didn't feel great about myself. I, I didn't feel like, oh, I was awesome. You know what I felt? I felt embarrassed. I felt, but I, 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 but I felt broken, but I felt used by God. I want to see. It is no different. What we do now is no different. It's no different. And we think stadiums is going to be all about this. That person's awesome, anointing. It's not. It's not. Broken people, presence of God resting. We got to do it with a few thousand at Centennial Park. Got to bring the presence of God. But he wants to bring more. <laughs> he wants to bring more of the phenomenon. It wasn't the phenomenon. <laughs> it wasn't the inbreaking. It wasn't. And it's no different to do it in a little room like this versus a stadium or a city. It's not. It's not any different from God. It's just there's divinely appointed moments when he says, okay, what you've done and what you did at the campfire, what you do in the church meeting, now let's just pour it out in the streets. Now let's just pour it. And I believe, I believe with all my heart, I believe with all my heart, there's a moment coming like that. And I believe with all my heart, part of my purpose is to prepare myself and to prepare people. And if you guys will buy in and prepare, we, I believe we'll see it in our lifetime. Yeah, come on, we'll come on, come on, come on. And we'll have a lot more encounters with God on the way to seeing the phenomenon, right? Jesus. I know what I'm talking about is real because even in this room, it's like as you talk about as you talk about the things that are in God's heart, the reality begins to burn in people, right? Like I know, like as I'm talking about this, even in my own body, there's a burning, like like on the road to Amaze, a burning. Some of you may be experiencing that burning, that fire, you know. Some of you may feel that weight of God's presence. Some of you don't feel anything. It's just you just have revelation, you know. But that's we've shifted even in this little bit of time from me teaching you to us actually entering into something shared. And if we'll pray and agree right now, it'll actually start to get, it'll actually, some of you will actually start to get marked, like to carry that, right? And some of you have already been marked and I'm putting language to something. It's already in your heart. God's already made you, he's already marked you as an intercessor and you didn't even have words for it, right? You didn't even have words for it. So I just want to, I just want us to pray. God, I thank you for this time together. It's felt holy, Lord. However you want to posture yourself in hunger, you can get on your knees, you can get on your face. Thank you for a picture of brokenness here right now. Oh, Jesus. I know I've said what I was supposed to say. Lord, I just pray that we put our attention on you, Lord. There'd be receiving from you right now, God. Oh. release your power God release your power get out of the way
pray for faith, faith to take hold of what is unseen, but what you want to do, and just that faith, that faith would anchor people to a reality in God, a pressing in in God. That fire would begin to consume and fill, that glory light would begin to consume and fill. Broken places where you can rest. That's what we want to be. We want to be broken places, broken vessels, earthen vessels, where you rest with your glory, houses filled with glory, temples filled with glory. Not striving, but not apathetic, or resistant, just a resting place. Bye. 
Just feel free if you feel, and try, let's try and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit together. Just, if you feel an impression to pray, just invite you to pray and it's fine if it's loud, it's fine if it's soft, it's fine if it's just however you express yourself, but just let's try and express ourselves genuinely before the Lord, especially uh, Andrew or Tammy or some of our staff that are here if you have anything from the Lord. But let's just take a moment to pray. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
Father God, we approach your throne of grace and boldness, knowing that you hear our prayer. God, and we all just take a posture of surrender right now. God, cleanse us. Cleanse us of the idols in our hearts, the idols in our life. Cleanse us, Lord. Anything that is keeping us from seeing your glory, cleanse us, Father. Oh, Jesus, you are the name above every name. We lift you higher and higher and higher and higher. And we join in with the angels and proclaim holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Jesus, may your name be exalted here in this place, in our lives and through our lives, Lord. Oh, God, and we come laying it all down before you. Our lives are no longer our own. We have been bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we are yours. Our lives are in your hands. Do as you will. Let us be your vessels. Oh, Jesus. What is life if we are not living for you? You are the only reason we are alive. In you we breathe, we move and have our being. God, take us, mold us into the image of Christ, God. Oh God, I pray you would crucify each and every one of our flesh. Take away our desires and give us your desires, Jesus. Oh God, take us off of the broad path and lead us on the narrow path. Lead us by your ways, your truth, God. Give us your wisdom. And by your spirit, God, let us walk in the power that you give, God. Oh, God, revival is here. May we be walking revivals. Let your fire just dwell in your children, God. Dwell in your sons and daughters. We exalt the name of Jesus. You are worthy to be praised. God, you are worthy of everything. You are worthy of receiving all of our lives because it's all yours to begin with. God, so we give it to you. In our lives, we live dispensable for the sake of the kingdom. That the kingdom of heaven would be known throughout all the nations. From America, to Central America, to Africa, to Europe, to Australia, to Asia. All of them, God. May every nation know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That you reign forever, God. Do a work in our hearts, God. Mend our hearts. God, take the brokenness. God, you make beautiful things out of dirt. Make something beautiful in us all. God, in the healing power you do in us, God, I pray that by your spirit, you would empower us, God, to be the healing hands that others need. God, we are yours. Have your way in us.
actually feel like there's a deeper place where we can go together, and I just want to help facilitate us going there. I feel like when the presence of God means to press and convict, sometimes we're not sure how to steady our minds. And I just feel like there's an invitation. If there are any places in your heart where you just know that you're carrying a, an unyielded place, just to yield that to the Lord right now, just in simple faith. Whether it's condemnation or unbelief or accusation or fear. And I just sense that invitation from the Lord for myself. So, Lord, I just. Oh, I'm sorry, God, for the kinds of things that I've held on to. I want to give you everything so badly, Lord. I want to give you everything so badly, but I'm scared sometimes to do what. How that might feel out of control. So I just want to want that resistance to you to be gone from my life, especially in places of fear and doubt and anger. I'm sorry for places where I've been angry at you, God. to yield to you as we attempt to surrender to you, God, would you just get your kindness, would you just release such an increased conviction on our hearts, the supernatural grippings of the Holy Spirit that separates us from sin and from the flesh, that dividing of the word of God, that piercing to the soul, Lord, right now, release a gripping conviction that lays hold of us and causes us to despise that which we have clung to that's false, Lord. Any kind of perversion, any kind of pride, any kind of gossip, any kind of slander, any kind of awe towards our brother or sister, any kind of unforgiveness, that the gripping of the Holy Spirit, that we would see these obstructions to the flow of the Spirit of God for what they are, for the filth that they are, the sin, the immorality of what they are. We just want to be so separated from it. We would want to run from that which was where we've been like a dog returning to its own vomit, Lord, would you just make it repulsive in our own eyes? Yes, we come to Jesus. Purify your bride, Lord. Purify us. Yes, please. Thank you. 
have two thoughts um, definitely just feeling a sense of the Lord's presence obviously as many of you are and just such a gift when the Lord draws near and he calls us to draw near and he draws near and he's so good to do that and just thinking about how he calls us what the father desires is for those who would worship in spirit and in truth and all of us right now are you know feeling that sense of spirit and I just want to attach some truth to it. So two thoughts. One, um, Jesus, when he gives the great commission to these 12 broken disciples, and there's more there, but I'm thinking about the 12 disciples specifically. Think about Peter as a fisherman. He goes, what do you mean, Jesus, you want me to have global impact and change nations with your gospel? Like, I'm a fisherman. What are you talking about? And I imagine Jesus goes, I'm with you. Like, that's actually the key right there is that I'm with you. Go make disciples and all the nations and behold. And anytime God says behold in scripture, that's like, hey, close attention to this. I'm with you always. Yes. And, and I imagine Jesus maybe pointed Peter back to John 15, which obviously he didn't have John 15, but he spoke John 15 to the disciples. And in John 15, he says, you can do absolutely nothing without me. Without me, nothing. No eternal fruit. Nothing that you do without uh, the presence of Jesus, the work of him through you will last to eternity. Only the work that he does through you, in you, around you, that's what lasts. And so... What that ought to do is relieve us from the burden of the Great Commission. When we look at it and we go, how can we do this? And go, Jesus, I want to obey this. This is not the great suggestion. It's the Great Commission. But I recognize that attached to this commission is this command or this promise that you are with us. And we can't do it without you. 
And so this moment right now, I mean, God's a good father. He likes to play with his children. He likes to give us joy and delight and, and, and uh, stir up passion and love in our hearts. But he, he is also reminding us, I'm with you. I'm with you. In the season of consecration for you interns, let it be a season where he solidifies once and for all. He really is with you. When you set aside time, you get before his feet and you seek his face, he really will draw near. And it's that nearness of Jesus that actually accomplishes the, the, the things that he's called us to accomplish. So that first truth is just the, we, this is not a side supplementary Christian practice to have these moments. This is central to Christianity is that we would be a people who get before the Lord on our faces uh, as broken vessels and say, I, I don't want to do anything without you, Jesus, because you said whatever I do without you doesn't last. So that, and then two, when he comes with his presence, when, when he touches, you know, Hazen's hands at camp and there's that heat, it's not, it's not an energy. He's not an energy. He is a person. He has thoughts and emotions and feelings and desires and power. And he is a person. Whether he's sending, you know, sort of angelic messengers to be in our midst right now, or it's just simply his presence, it is him being with us. It's not an energy. I just felt it's important to highlight that, that we are not harnessing some superpower by trying to press in for healing or the prophetic. We are hosting a person who is the creator of the universe, who is God in the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so... Um, it just it just gets you avoid getting weird when you when, when you can just bring it back to that that man I'm feeling something in my spirit and oh yeah it's God it's a person it's it's this being that created me and gave me life and um, and we need it we need this it's not a supplement so Lord we just we just thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for blessing us with your presence. You're not an energy, you're a person, and we host you, God. We invite you, we welcome you, we make room for you. We set ourselves aside, Lord. We embrace our brokenness and our weakness and our neediness. Yes. And we say it again, God, we need you. We, we, we receive your word, Jesus, that we literally can do nothing in our own strength that we desperately need you and we believe your promise that you're with us always. And so I ask you, Lord, in this season for all of us, but especially for these interns that are here setting this season aside to seek seek your face in a consecrated way, I pray, Lord, make it la- a lasting truth. Set, set foundations, Lord, in this season that the rest of their lives they would walk as people knowing that you are with them, that you are beside them in every little detail. We love you, Jesus. We love your presence. We need your presence. We invite your presence. Increase among us, Lord. So God, I just pray right now. That the prayer and that the testimony and that the, just the time we've had in your presence, the light rain, Lord, just thank you for sending light rain in this time. 
Thank you for helping us to be open-hearted and to just receive what you're pouring out. And I just ask right now for the impartation and the activation of spiritual gifts. Yes. Book of Romans, or no, uh, Romans. Paul says, you know, I desire that I would come to you that I might impart some spiritual gift. And I just ask, Father, that just in the presence, Lord, of, uh, of your spirit, of King Jesus. I just ask you, Jesus, right now, assign angels to release commissioning and to release corresponding gifts. I pray in this moment for the gift of prophecy to increase. I pray for discernment of spirits to increase. Pray for the gifts of healing and miracles to abound in the midst. We come short in no gift. Spread, activate right now. In the name of Jesus. Activate the gift of faith. That supernatural knowing that the impossible is possible. Yes. As we move in that gift, just uh, unbelievable things will be released. Pray that you continue to help us press in, help us to be sincere, to avoid hype and posturing and dismantle religiosity in us. The part of us that wants our fasting, our prayers, or our service to be seen and applauded by men. And I do pray again for myself, for this company, that you would, uh, by your grace, break us gently. And as you press your hand on us, as you bring your mighty spirit, your right hand on us to break us. Oh, Jesus. As you press your hand out on us, let us yield to it. Let us not resist you. Remove resistance from us. But if we do resist you, we invite you to press harder. Break our agreements with every, every demon, every idol. Break our agreements with flesh. Empty us of ourselves that you'd fill us with your, yourself. I feel like we've put some foundational understandings in place today and that uh, that we've offered some prayers with which the Lord is really well pleased. Just as we're praying, I just kept seeing just a picture of light rain and that soaks and softens the soil so that when the heavy rain comes, it, it doesn't just wash off. We have to submit ourselves to the light rain, to get in the light rain and so that we're softened to receive the heavy rain when it comes. 
We believe, Lord, we believe you're sending those heavy rains. Deluges of your presence, that's what we want. We want the falling of the, we want the falling of the Holy Spirit upon us. In our prayer closets, in the prayer room, in our classes, in our services, in the grocery store, we just want the falling of the Holy Spirit. people right now that need deliverance in their mind, they just command every spirit of oppression to go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that just in this atmosphere, uh, those things that have been clinging to people's minds and hearts, they just slide off and go in Jesus' name right now. Darkness lifts off the mind in Jesus' name. Confusion lifts off the mind in Jesus' name. Cloudiness, fogginess lifts off the mind in Jesus' name. And filled, filled with light. Minds filled with light. Hallelujah. Hearts filled with light. Spirit, your spirit man filled with light. Your spirit woman filled with light. Filled with light. Filled with light. Filled with light. Full of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, full of the waters of the, the living waters of the Holy Spirit, full of the light that exudes from His face, full of radiant glory. No room for darkness. Burning away the dross. The furnace of the Holy Spirit's presence, burning away darkness. Increasing right now. Increasing light in the mind, increasing light in the spirit. Filled. Holy Spirit. Fill Holy Spirit. Fill Holy Spirit. Let the visitations continue, Lord. The encounters continue. something let's we can close with it if you don't we can just close there
dismiss us. I just want to give another opportunity if anybody has anything burning you feel like you're supposed to share either a word of encouragement or a prayer. If you have something you know you're supposed to share and you got all hot and nervous just then when I said that, just go ahead and share it. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, that's fine. Hazen was talking about sitting under the light rain. I was imagining myself sitting under the light rain and I started to get worried. Like, God, what if I can't catch every drop? What if I can't catch every drop? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, like, you don't have to be afraid. Like, there's more where that came from. Like, I am limitless. You can just enjoy receiving because I'm limitless. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid.
actually falls in the presence of God. Yes, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence, has actually been stolen by the Philistines. Yeah. And I'm just going to read this, and I want to you know, just pray to this for a second before we, we transition. It's so important that we go into consecration and go into lovesick, happy holiness and realize, can you answer that question, like, how do we live this out? We live it out desperately in love with Him, where His presence is exalted and everything else falls. First yeah. Samuel 5, the Philistines captured the Ark of God and took it from, from Ebenezer to Ashdod and then carried the Ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. When the people of Ashdod rose early in the day, there was Dagon falling on his face yeah. on the ground before the ark of the Lord. They put Dagon back in his place. The following morning when they arose, there was Dagon falling on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His hands and his head had been broken off, and they were lying on the threshold holding his body remained. That is why to this day neither the priest of Dagon nor any of the others enter Dagon's temple at Ashdod and step on the threshold. And so, Father, we just thank you that when your presence shows up, it doesn't even matter, God, the enemy tries to uh, maneuver or steal or heal or destroy when your presence shows up, every idol has to fall. Yes, Lord. Every idol has to fall. And, Father, we, we wait on that kind of glory. We wait on that kind of presence. We thank you that you are who you say you are. God, we thank you for our consecrated generation that's happy in holiness, happy and lustic in your presence. And God, just like Dagon fails, yeah. this idol, this false idol created by man, fell and was broken into pieces in your presence, Lord. And even to this day, it says even to this day that they won't even step on the threshold, God. Father, we thank you for that kind of presence in our nation, that kind of presence in our house of prayer. Father, I just ask you, God, that we be a happy, holy, consecrated, lovesick generation, Lord, where everything bows to your presence, Lord. Everything bows, Lord. And the Lord, I just pray covering over us that no condemnation would come rushing in, because there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. God, that love would arise, fill our hearts, we'd be happy, we would be joyful, and even in the gift of tears and in weeping and in groaning, there's joy.
lifted our voices a little bit, just sang from our spirits to our King, just offer Him some perfected praise, so you can just, if you don't have a prayer language, you can just sing little phrases of love, if you do have a prayer language, let's just sing together for a Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
past, present things or things in the future, height nor depth nor any created thing could separate me from your love, death nor life nor angels nor powers, present things or things in the future, height nor depth nor any created thing could separate us from your love, death nor life nor angels nor powers, present things or things in the future, height nor depth nor any created thing could separate us from your strong love.
God's been doing a deep work during this time in my heart. I just want someone to pray for me. I just want that, that point of contact and impartation. If anybody would like that, you can stand. And if it's everyone, I'll pray for everybody. If there's just a few, we can pray together for those. Let's just continue in the presence of the Lord. Just continue to draw in heaven. Just pray for different ones.
Hallelujah. <laughs> I got, you got really hot in here. Yeah, it did. It got really hot. It did get really hot in here. Jesus? Hi. 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 God, I just thank you for, <laughs> like, um, hello. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your kindness, for your goodness, um, for your nearness. Um, God, I just ask for even more. It's only day three for these guys. We've got a lifetime to go, Lord. Would you, would you be with us? Uh, would you put your presence on us, put your fire on us, Lord? Help us walk in your ways, um, and grip us even more for revival. Yes. It's coming, and we want to partner with your heart. We want to yeah. give you our yes. We love you very, very, very much, but somehow still not as much as you love us. <laughs> in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. This was a good class.